Today, This American Dice presents Trophy Dark, a tabletop role-playing game of dark forests, doomed treasure hunters, and a world woven on a loom of rumor, history, and myth. In this episode, our three treasure hunters have been shipwrecked upon the craggy shore that is rumored to hold that which they seek, the discarded treasures of generations of superstitious sailors and simple fishermen. What will they be willing to give up for the riches they each so desperately need? And will the island show mercy to those that covet its bounty? After all, the tide, they say, must have its due. Hey, guess what? This is it's called Trophy Dark. We're playing it again. This is part two. Uh, my name's David. This uh, scenario, this incursion, in fact, the proper term for it is called Gift of the Sea. Gabriel Robinson wrote this, but I'm joined with uh, three of my my closest trophy friends. I'm going to go uh, anti-Windershins, starting with Austin. What's your name, Austin? Austin, can you tell me your name, Austin? Okay, so I'm Austin. Hello, everybody. You may remember me from such episodes of this podcast as the previous one you listened to. Um, if it was in this feed, uh, I'm playing Nima, the sorceress who is the disinherited noble seeking to earn the respect of the governor of Fort Durin or Durin. Very nice. Hi, I'm Justin. I was in, you know, first time, long time. Glad I'm here. Uh, you could check stuff out that I also do when I'm not being horrified by David here. Uh, you can go to the and look at all the pretty stuff we have. And um, I'm playing Rush, who is a ranger, little bit of an alky. His main goal is just to provide for his estranged family. Normally just lives in the woods with a dog and has a very solemn life. And uh, yeah, very excited to be back. Perfect. And lastly, but not leastly, Jacob. Yeah, we got me. I'm Jacob. Uh, I'm playing... Orlin, who is a fisherman that is seeking the fate of his lost crewmates. Perfect. I'm glad you mentioned your drive, too, because um, especially in this third ring, which we're about to start, you're encouraged to kind of, uh, if you find an opportunity to bring up your drive, um, please do, uh, in character or without. Yeah, so I think last time we ended where... The three of you, plus um, Vero, Captain Vero, kind of uh, escaped this storm that led you onto the, this uh, island, this kind of rocky island that you know, or you think at least, that all this treasure from the the Tide Queen and maybe shipwrecks throughout the, the years or centuries have been kind of washed up and collected in treasures untold. And you're kind of when last we saw you, you were, you had the, uh, the remnants of your boat that you sailed in with, kind of tilted so that you'd have some sort of shelter from this storm. And so I think I'm actually going to start with uh, Orlen. I think we have, we just see you, or just from your perspective, right? You're kind of just in the ocean. Who knows why? You're just swimming about. You're underwater. You kind of look up. You can maybe see the sun or some kind of light several feet, maybe leagues, I guess, uh, above you, but you can see it kind of shining down. And you're very content. You're kind of just floating there, 
not a care in the world. It's kind of a uh, kind of great. Awesome. Um, oh, dang, I should just die now. I don't think things are gonna get better. Just kind of floating here, maybe sinking a little. Like how you feel like this is great. How this is sort of home. Well, first of all, once I risked ruin to modify the ship, my I can't blink my eyes anymore, so the water's pretty nice for that. <laughs> True. Um, outside of that, I think there's a sense of familiarity for Orlin. He's with his crewmates again, and some kind of more metaphysical sense. Uh, even though he doesn't know where they are exactly, there's that kind of bond of the sea, and there's something special about being in it and a part of it and subject to its whims more so than being on top of it and kind of attempting to exert control. So removing that illusion of control altogether and just being floating in this featureless not like dark enough to be scary kind of environment is comforting so yeah I think Orlin has kind of that sense of contentedness and ease um, and maybe you know he's a bit older he's kind of a burly guy maybe even just the less gravity pulling down on his body and all of his scars and injuries would feel nice as well just oh, yeah. There. yeah, and I think when you kind of look down, just like, oh, this is great. I love this. Or maybe look at your hands, perhaps. They're replaced with some kind of sea creature. Maybe a better question is, instead of hands, what do you see? Uh, okay. Dang. Well, I wanted to be some, like uh, one of those poisonous sea snakes that can swim Ooh, that sounds uh, cool. underwater, but I don't know that I would be able to see myself if I was one of them very easily, so... Yeah, we can uh, we can do the uh, the director's stance, you know, like the camera pulls back and you realize that you are uh, this. Or maybe I um, look around and see that I'm like there are others swimming around, mm. and then I like try to look at my hands or something like that, and I can't, and then I start to go like ah, and I guess I just think I'm a sea snake, but maybe I'm not 100% certain. That seems anxiety-inducing. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a ruin roll, right? <laughs> so, to remind you of this, when you witness or undergo something harmful or disturbing, roll one dark die. Okay. It's a three, so no ruin for me. Very good. We're going to hard cut to somebody else. Over to Nima. Also, you're underwater, where you can um, see the beams of light coming down, like, you're not too far deep under the sea at this point, like a not super shallow, but you can at least see the comfort of the surface not too far above. And am I in like, am, am I in a specific body of water or no? Is there one that's familiar to you? Oh, I think that there was a, I think there was a villa that my parents went to when my father was dying. And um, mm. there was like a lake on the premises that uh, people would occasionally like go bathing in and that kind of stuff in this uh, this fancy fancy medieval chateau. Yeah, I love that. So maybe you can. It's a little um, familiar to you. You can. I mean, obviously, you've probably never been swimming in this lake for very long, but you can instantly recognize you're kind of walking on the the bottom of this lake, 
or you just realize this woman's maybe even standing in front of you the whole time. She's kind of has a maybe she has like a green dress that you remember maybe your mother wearing or something or some uh, more regal family member like a matriarch sort of thing. Maybe she she looks like that a little bit at first, but then you can't help but recognize yourself in her. Like what characteristics or how does she remind you of yourself? Part of my, my instinct here is to just shoehorn in more of my my backstory that I came this up is, with. This is the time for it. This is the time. Okay, the woman that she reminds me of isn't my mother, the acting governess of Durin, uh, but is instead the woman who was, like, my father's mistress or consort, mm. who Nima always, like, uh, kind of, like, despised. And the thing that she sees in her when she sees like something that reminds her of herself and I think it's this wanting wanting something that's uh, not hers and Nima is just like it just is, is very very upset about that and the fact that she thinks of at all any connections between this woman and herself and she kind of tries to like blast that out of her mind as you recognize this resemblance, I think she, uh, maybe you, or she grows bigger, or you grow smaller at the same, simultaneously. Oh, she grows, uh, uh she grows, uh, bigger, and it starts out as she grows pregnant. Ooh, and, yeah. And, uh, as, and Nima, Nima shrinks, and stares down at the belly, and, uh, in, in fear and disgust, and envy. Ooh, very interesting. Yeah, and I think she, uh, just disgustingly, like, opens up, and just beckons you inside and kind of just grabs you and can you make a ruin roll real fast too? Sure. <laughs> Alright. I got a two. Oh yeah. So that is not greater than your ruin, so you're pretty good. And now we're gonna hard cut for the second time? <laughs> Much like the other two times. I think Rush, we go to you and you are also in water. But these are just harsh, tumultuous waves. It's almost like they're sucking you down, pushing you up. There's no up or down. There's barely any light here. Maybe you open your eyes and you just see for a second the vast emptiness. Maybe there's like bubbles that you see escaping from your mouth and that's about it. The only way you can really see what's up or down and they themselves swirl around so it's terrifyingly confusing you have no idea where you are it's so it's like bitterly cold this water it kind of uh just stings you just move your joints or move around to try and get to wherever the surface might be maybe you're going deeper then you realize that you're not swimming at all you're just struggling and in fact maybe one of your uh hands kind of goes onto the surface for a second you, you realize oh there's I'm just so close to where the surface is and you see kind of a face materialize in the waves and you realize they're holding you down like holding uh, I guess I don't know your shoulders mm-hmm. under some kind of water you maybe try to scream or yell at them and it just yeah. goes in I was gonna uh, say I'm gonna try to at, at one point I would have tried to like close my eyes really hard and just scream so that kind of plays into that yeah and that's especially when you feel the this like ice cold water just all the way into your mouth. This face materializes, like I said, kind of like above the waves, you know, 
the surface holding you down. But I got a question for you. Is it uh, Nima or Orlin? Oh. I will say it is uh, Nima. What do you try to do to get out? I try to calm. And I don't know if I can purvey anything underwater, but if I could, I would purvey with what do you want? Austin, you, you can add if, if you so choose, but uh, how does that spectacularly fail? Oh, you are trying to... What is your... I think kind of like logic it out, right? <laughs> trying to reason. Yeah, We're yeah, supposed to be to friends. She's back to your for your estranged kids and wife and so this is a and this is a vision right that he's having no this is for real why would you question why would you ask that question <laughs> i'm trying to figure out like what what uh what would be said to, to be more <laughs> most dramatic your kids your wife enough money for them you don't deserve them you don't deserve them boy i love that and then you just feel your lungs fill up and just your vision goes black but you're still you're still there and you can still feel the water and you just realize the endless nothingness the void of the ocean is just all you are anymore and go ahead and make a rune rune roll i'm so good at these yeah yours is, ooh, yours is pretty rough you could get ruined at this point i mean more than i already am two okay uh. so yeah, I think um, now... May I just add, as I'm yeah, in the void, and I hear that, and I'm just going to keep hearing Nima's uh, voice saying, you don't deserve them, and eventually I'm just going to start saying, you're right, you're right, you're right, over and over while I'm in this void. Ooh, I love that. We kind of all kind of come to, we see Nima wakes up first. Okay, um, yeah. She's just kind of, she's shiv- she shivers awake and kind of wide eyes look looks up and kind of her dark hair that's all messed up out of the fancy braid it had been before and she's in that position where you're kind of hugging your knees because she's cold and she wakes up and she's still very like very shaking but now it's less because she's cold and more because she's afraid of what's going on and confused. Oh yeah, and I think you see uh Orlin just laying near you with uh his eyes just wide open and then he, he kind of wakes up. Do you have any? Oh, oh go ahead. Nima's first thought when he's just laying there with his eyes open is she just thinks like, is he dead? Like, just did this guy die? Yeah. <laughs> who would, who would blame you for thinking that? And then you kind of come to Orlin and the two of you then see, um, rush start coughing and just all of this, uh, you know, water. He's like choking rush as you kind of uh you kind of wake up you realize you're on your hands and knees and just vomiting seawater and then uh you kind of cough it all up but as if you had been drowned who knows why (laughs) as um i kind of so are we on like the beach like on the shore yeah now and so as you kind of get all three of you get your bearings um we have captain vero here there's like a little uh campfire type thing and he's maybe poking it with a stick and kind of also looking at the three of you as in everyone woke up at once. That's strange, but he's kind of giving you the, a side eye and it's maybe still 
uh, raining but not storming anymore. It's still like still pretty rough though. And who knows? It's hard to tell if you've been here a couple hours, a couple days. Just with the storms, it's hard to tell where the sun is. If there's been an entire day, if it's day or night, who knows? Have you even woken up? Shrug. If I have that thought as a ranger, would I have like a, uh, any kind of like Bowie knife on me or anything like that? That seems reasonable. So I'm going to one immediately when I see Nima, I'm my hand is going for the knife just to have on it because I'm disoriented as fuck. And then eventually when it comes through and it's like, maybe she was keeping me down. I don't. And so if I'm still in that dream state, I would like to see if I could feel anything and I would like to slice my hand to see if it, uh, if I feel anything, if it bleeds, if it stays there, if it tells me that I'm a terrible father. Like I need to know what, what my hand's going to do. Oh yeah. Are you trying to do a ritual or is this just kind of a, just a test to see if I'm awake? Yeah. So I think you do the, uh, like the movie slice on your palm, you know, and it does mm-hmm. bleed and you kind of feel it like, Oh, I'm still, still alive. This is good. And I do want to say Nima as rush seems kind of distracted doing this. You kind of maybe do that instinctually and realize you're holding something and you look at it. You open your your hand and it's a kind of a like a tarnished wedding ring, like a like the gold has turned green and it looks as if it's been the sea for decades. But it's obviously like a wedding band. It's very strange. Hmm. Yeah, she'll kind of flip that over and see see if she can rub some of the stuff off to see if she can figure out like is it. Is it part of this treasure? Maybe did it wash up with her with, with them? Was it something from that pack that she grabbed that she maybe fell asleep mm-hmm. holding? Yeah. And you kind of can brush off kind of the flakes of the, I don't know if it's rust, but just that tarnished stuff, you know, and, um, uh, rush actually, what, how do you know that this is your wedding ring? Uh, I will say it probably has um, something simple inscribed inside of it, like to my love, and then initials AV. Mm. Yeah, so maybe Nima is like looking at it and enough of the gunk comes off of it that she can see that there is an inscription, though she can't read it. Yeah. So after after Rush is no longer coughing up a huge amount of seawater, yeah, she's just very openly like fingering this ring. I'm just going to focus on uh, trying to get warm. Uh, as I see that Nima's fiddling with something, but one, I want to stay very far away from her at the moment because either I'm going to strangle her or, <laughs> or uh, you know, she's going to strangle me. Uh, so I'm just going to put my ranger hood up, not make eye contact with her, and I'm just going to try to beeline for the campfire. Yeah, as you kind of get close to the the campfire here with Vero, Captain Vero, um, to, and to remind everybody, he's kind of a, he was like a tavern. We met him at a tavern, kind of uh, getting drinks, and he was the one who went out of his way to give everyone passage on his ship, his fishing, his tiny fishing vessel. And he kind of says, uh, like a voice way more shakier than the last talked to him. He says, uh, oh, everyone's awake. I was wondering, I was hoping everyone made it, maybe looking over at Orlin, whose eyes are still kind of 
you know, highlight in red, you know, because they haven't blinked this entire time. But yeah, he just kind of moves moves over a little bit, and so you can sit next to him if you want to. I found I found some supplies that washed up, and she'll uh, she'll kind of open up that bag of uh, supplies that she had had d- discovered when we first arrived at this island. Yeah, it looks like the supplies of that you could use for if you're staying here for a few days. There's a Specifically, some fishing hooks, some diving fins, you know, if you want to swim really well. Lots of rope that you can tie up or smoke, I think. Uh, some, like, older cheese, although it's not molded or anything, and dried fish. And there's specifically, like, a half-drank bottle, like, or decanter, sort of, of wine. All right. So I don't know if you can use any of that, but, yeah, I think sure. um, I think Vero especially is excited about that wine bottle. Sure. She'll uh, maybe smell it to see if it smells okay. Doesn't smell great, especially from uh, Nema standards. Yeah, she'll smell it and then uh, offer it over to uh, just whoever is closest to her. Do you want to say that's Orlin? I haven't heard from him in a bit. Yeah. So Orlin is distraught at having woken up at all and is not very happy with the circumstances and doesn't even realize that you're trying to offer the wine is more just like trying to not have anyone talk to him. Okay. Then, yeah, then, all right, rush. Yeah, I'll take it. And I'll just put my arm out and my hand and I'll outstretch it. But once again, no eye contact. And then I'll grasp when I feel the bottle. Is it like a two buck chuck? Like, what are we working with here? When you taste it, it's like, this is pretty old and pretty cheap to begin with, so it's not the best wine, but hey, it'll it'll do the job. I'll pass it over to Vero and try to do like a pass back and forth. Yeah, and I think uh, anyone who looks at Rush, at least we as the audience, can see, even though it's raining, you're still kind of, as I said, protected. But just, again, your eyes are just like streaming water down, awkwardly leaking. I think Vero might say something like, uh, you okay there, buddy? Yeah, um, I'm fine, and I'm going to spit also the salt water out of my mouth, and I'm just going to go, <clears throat> I just got some shit in my ass. Oh, yeah. Just kind of politely avoids asking more questions. Looking up at this ship that you came in on, or the boat, I guess. Just like, uh, it's going to it's gonna take a while to repair this enough to, to get back home, unless we're oh. swimming. We need to find a place that's in better shelter. If this storm, if that storm kicks up again the way it was before, we're going to be absolutely soaked. We could get a better fire going if we get somewhere, somewhere drier, right, Rush? Yeah, you'd like that. Yeah, no, um, yeah, that would be a good idea. Keep things dry, feet wet. And then I think Vero says uh, a little bit before low tide. Those, uh, he kind of points over somewhere nearby. Those, uh, we can probably, uh, it's going to, we can probably walk through that eventually. It's going to make a kind of a land bridge. We can go further in. Maybe we can find something or some, at least better shelter. Maybe some food. Although, looks over at, uh, Nima. That could do for a little bit, at least. Yes. As soon as, as soon as we're ready to go, I think that's a good idea. We can get somewhere nice and then I'll work on trying to find us our next step from here. 
Yeah, next step. Is there like something I can make like a torch so I can bring the fire with us? Oh, yeah. I mean, especially this boat that you're about to abandon, like you can pry off some yeah, I'm just gonna wood from <laughs> that. Yeah. All right. Everyone get a torch. And I'm going to look at everyone who's looking at me. Yeah. Get a fucking piece of wood, put it in the fire, and let's go. Yeah, Nima, uh, especially knowing what Nima knows, is like, all right, yeah, that's not a bad idea, tearing this boat apart. Orlan so. uh, just gruffly says, I can see just fine, and starts slowly kind of walking toward the land bridge. Yeah. Uh, I guess Vero, uh, you know, takes your advice. So that at least three of three of the four of you have these little, I feel like two by four sort of uh, torches, like burning at the end, you know? Yeah. And it's raining. I feel Vero's goes out immediately. Maybe the rest of you or the other two um, can kind of shelter it a little bit. But yeah, this, uh, by the time you get there, you can kind of see that, the tide is low enough that you can kind of, you know, do some walking over some stones and get into this kind of cove and kind of, as you see, maybe like a, imagine like a V, you know, in the cliffside that's opened up now, you would have to swim to before. And it looks like these jagged rocks. It's just hard not to think of them as like teeth as you, or like bones as you walk through them. I think before we, uh, Actually, like, enter this ravine in the cove. Orlin is going to with his, like, usual intensity, but then kind of, like, multiplied by the fact that he can't blink anymore, is just staring, like, right into the eyes of Vero, uh, and just tells him, Look, I'm not gonna apologize for the ship. We both know what we were getting into, but, I recommend you take whatever those diving fins are off of the other ship we found and you swim back home if you want to get there. And he, he kind of uh, looks over at Rush. I was going to look at Orin. I'm going to say, thinking about a one-way trip? I don't know. Maybe. But not trying to actively think about it as much as even though this town led us to a strange place. I think we were going to wind up, the three of us were going to wind up in a strange place anyway, and there's some fake hospitality, certainly, but one fisherman to another, I don't want you to die for nothing. Yeah, I think he just kind of nods solemnly, looks to everybody in turn. It's like, well, if you don't need me, I've had my fill of strangeness. Sure you'll find more where you're going, but Safe travels. We'll see you next year. Cool. So he kind of takes those fins and maybe starts walking away and then stops for a second, turns back and to rush, you know, who he sort of has a connection with just kind of leans over. Yeah. Um, just like, Hey brother, just remember the tide will always have its due. Be careful. And he, he kind of, takes off. I'll nod and pat him on the shoulder. Yeah. So, as the three of us, uh, I'm going to say as soon as he's at an earshot, I'm going to go, what the fuck are we going to do now? We are fucking stranded here. 
Assume, yeah, again, he's out of earshot, and Nima will just say, I found another boat. Then why the fuck did we make him go away if we have another fucking boat? Let's we get the fuck out of here. We don't need him, and we haven't found the treasure yet. Fuck treasure. If we're dead, how am I going to be able to give that to anybody? You get back in that water, and you might well be dead. At least get some treasure, and then go home. What's that supposed to mean? What? Put me into the water again? Keep me down again? We've got the boat. Orlin, Orlin can pilot it. We get as much treasure as we can into that thing. We wait till the storm's done, and we get out of here. Yeah, I'm just gonna go spit salt water out. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a good plan, then. Let's find a place where we can eat something... Get our, get our heads straight. I can work on finding this treasure. I think throughout this, Orlin is uh, listening intently, but doesn't have much to say, and so doesn't say much. But he keeps looking directly up into the sky to let the rain hit his eyes. And, like, it's becoming now almost instinctual, like it's been happening long enough that now it's like... He just keeps doing it every once in a while. He'll just look straight up. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I think, so the three of you sort of uh, wander around kind of uh, searching for uh, some sort of shelter in this cove, and it's like a, like a big sort of you know, cove. I'm just describing cove. Like a <laughs> big body of water with uh, cliffs all around it, and the, the body of water is like the sea is coming in, you know? You know, yeah, that's fine. Um, and the rain kind of lets up. Um, so it's just really overcast still. So you really, it's hard to tell what time of day it is, although theoretically day since it's not night, at least, or who knows. But uh, it's at least stopped raining, although it's still damp and uncomfortable and cold, even though it's the, the beginning of spring still. And eventually what happens is you come to... Uh, looks like a like a cave and it kind of goes down and it gets everyone's attention because kind of the uh the walls of this cave are um iridescent they're kind of uh, smooth and catch whatever light can actually get through the clouds at this point almost like the inside of a seashell you know and in fact um yeah um, i was about to say so we're going into kind of this little cave I think for at least our initial purposes, we don't have to go real far into the cave to just kind of, just wherever we can get to a place that's kind of dry. Does that work when we're just in like the mouth of the cave? We don't have to be back in the deepest recesses. Yeah. One thing about this, although it's like going, you know, it's a downward cave, you know, it's still, um, it's protected from the, the rain that just stopped, but uh, it looks a little drier than the rest of this area that's kind of openly exposed to the the elements here but one thing i want to ask you nima is um as everyone's kind of uh their attention is drawn to the uh this cave especially you know the walls of the cave at least uh what piece of treasure just outside the cave do you see that no one else does or at least before anyone else does hmm i want to make it something interesting aside from just a coin uh I think it's what are those called? One of those like silhouette lockets. Hmm. 
yeah. you'd have of like a like a like a fancy like silhouette or painting and or uh, yeah of like of a of a loved one. Yeah. And so she she sees what just at first looks like a kind of like a wet rock that her foot touches, and then she like reaches down and picks it up and kind of like messes with it enough, and it eventually pops open. And on the inside, you could tell that like oh, this is definitely gold, and the the silhouette was made by someone who definitely had the resources to get someone to make this piece of jewelry slash artwork. Well, how can you tell this is from Fort Dutterin? I can recognize the artwork. She remembers that um, when, like watching when she saw her dad die, like he, when he just like he'd gotten sick and he died that he had like a, a locket that had the same it was it had to be the same artist that did that oh perfect I thought I was going to have to stretch to make you do a ruin roll but you set that up perfectly <laughs> can you give us one of those sure maybe this specifically as you kind of look at it it's not the same artist this is the same one your dad had sure yeah it's the same one it's the same one my father had and it's um, not of my mother it's of his mistress Oh yeah, perfect. And she's furious, and he's and she like stares at it. Ooh, yeah. Um. Oh, and to and to throw the rest of this in there, it's of. Fuck it. Rather than just be a silhouette, it's like a little, tiny family portrait the size of like a big egg, mm-hmm. and it's um, the her father, his mistress, and his like and her half brother slash, the 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 bastard of Dehrin. Perfect. I got a five. Oh no, that is higher than your ruin, right? It is, because my ruin is three. Yes. So my ruin goes up by one, right? Right. And you get a little condition. This is what I have. Uh, You can't stop thinking that your companions are planning to sacrifice you at the end of the journey. It's like an intrusive thought that you can't get rid of. Okay. Now she's like, I should in her head she's just like she's just shaking her head and is like I shouldn't have told him about that boat damn it yeah and she just like she just thinks to herself like like, like alright now you gotta get that treasure this has to, like this has to go smoothly yeah so now we're we're kind of faced with the uh, the entry of this cave so is the idea to kind of stop here or go further down into it or I had proposed that we would stop here and then um, I could try to use a ritual possibly to make sure I know where this treasure is to try to see this treasure Hmm, yeah do you want to do that first yeah unless somebody else has a thing they want to do so I'm not back to back doing things here (laughs) what do you do you think I think maybe uh I'm assuming you tell us that you're planning to do that, or maybe like we've treasure hunted with you before and that's something you've done. I don't know, like which one you like the sound of better, Austin. Um, I think she'll pro- she's probably like talked of herself as like as like familiar with like as a sorceress, as familiar with sorcery, where she can find she can find this. Like once we once we get close enough, I'll be able to find it. Okay, then I think Orlin wants to push on. Maybe, like, he's feeling the adrenaline of that, like, awesome uh, ship ride wearing off, but he will 
kind of pause and think, like, uh, if we're gonna get any forewarning, now might be the time, Nima. Yes, yes. Forewarned. My thought exactly. All right. Now that we're dry, give me some space here. And she uh, starts preparing for this ritual. Uh, I would like to, because why would I believe her to tell the truth at this point? How do I know that she's actually getting the treasure and not leading me into a cave to leave me there? So, is there a way to sabotage the ritual? Uh, absolutely. And in fact, remember, you can get uh, a reduction roll if you interfere yeah. with the ritual. So... First of all, I guess my question here to Nima is your uh, supplies, we kind of said, got washed out to sea. Your your usual ritual implements or whatever got washed out to sea, so you're going to have to improvise with something, you know, just on hand. Tell us what that is and kind of give us the situation of how you're setting up this ritual and rush. Use this as inspiration on how you're going to mess it up. Okay, well... I think she, like, goes to find that little bag of hers that it had, um, like, components for this ritual, and she realizes she doesn't have that with her. And she thinks that she, like, goes back to the mouth of the cave and, like, stares back out there of, like, where this could be. Maybe she even retraces her steps outside of the cave for a little bit. And then, like, looking over, like, kind of the vastness of what's going on, I have a, an introduction. Go for it. Which, which is, I think, like, you do start to look around for stuff, and it, or it becomes apparent to Orlin and Rush that you're looking for stuff to do this ritual with, because, you, you know, you kind of, like, start it strong, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm about to do this thing, and then you're like, ah, now let me leave and walk around slowly, uh, staring at the ground. So I think Orlin will c- walk close to you, maybe even, like, startle you because you're looking for stuff, and offer a spyglass. Maybe I'll say something like, uh, haven't done something like this myself, but I've heard that the metaphor of sight is powerful for this kind of act, and he'll offer you the spyglass. She'll take that, and at first she'll just kind of like test it and look down the thing maybe try to give a look down back where we just were to see if she could spot anything on the beach um still going with it but again do you think that's a waste of time to be like she goes back and looks for stuff maybe to make it interesting uh you do go back to where that you know the the toothsome v was you know and you Mm -hmm. real that you came in through but you realize it's already flooded and you're like how is that even possible like low tide should have just started we were kind of trapped in this cove at this point and I assume you're by yourself so you can give that information to these two or not but there's no way you can get out of this cove until at least what 12 24 hours who knows how tide works so she'll hold on to that uh, tidbit for now and come back and say alright well definitely give me some space this might be messier than I thought it would be and, uh, yeah, so I think normally this ritual 
We had not said what was in that little satchel that she had that made up these spell components. But I think she can... I think, like, part of the sorcery is, like, giving something... It doesn't work on a terribly, like... On a terribly different idea than what the people of the town were doing with the the Greentide celebration, where it's like something is given up in some kind of way, um, and those things could... That's very, very loose as to what's given up, but she can... I think she'll take this spyglass that uh, Orlin gave her, and she'll... Oh, she takes that ring that she found... And she takes the ring and she puts it on, like, the lens of the spyglass. And, um, like, kind of holding it, pinching it with her fingers on the cup, on the lens, so that you've got the lens, and then she's pinching the ring onto it. So you're looking through this garbled nonsense, and then that. I think she kind of draws, uh, like a circle around herself or in the sand as much as she can, just with her foot. And then, um like begins this incantation and the idea is that like if she stands in this circle she can like look around to see and try to find where thing where something that she's looking for is and the thing that she's looking for is her uh something she has a connection to which is that signet ring that she put in the uh tide Tide queen queen. yeah. yeah yeah okay great so, I think the way I'm going to do this is, remember we, when you make a risk roll, you kind of say what could go wrong, and I encourage everyone who's not Austin to um, give reasons how Rush can make things go poorly, to uh, illustrate how you're uh, interfering. Does that seem fair to you, Rush? It does. I actually, I had a few things I wanted to do before mm. the interference, so this oh, is... Post uh, Orlin given the spyglass when they come back and I'm just going to keep my back to the wall and I'm just going to say she tried to kill me look she kept my head under the water why do you think I was spitting up all that shit I saw some other weird stuff too I was a snake Look, man, you can't blink your eyes closed. I don't know what you can see and what you can't see. I know what I saw, and what I saw was our friend there keeping me underwater. Tell me I don't deserve my kids. She's capable of doing that. What causes her to not to be capable of keeping this treasure for herself? See, I think the boat's a misdirect. I don't think there is a fucking boat. And if there is, it's probably miles away and it's probably days away until lo and behold, there's only one person left and it happens to be her. I'm saying this because I trust you, man. I'm not afraid of Nima. I don't know that you should be either. I felt some very strange things since we even came to this town and I don't know that we can trust all of them. I always think it's a good idea to trust fear, but I'm not sure that we uh, need to jump to too many conclusions. Plus, the ship that we already know crashed here, I can repair and get back with just fine in 
you know, normal to rough seas. I've done stuff like that before. So I would not fear that outcome as the problem. Um, not that I can necessarily save you from getting stabbed if you walk in the wrong spot, but I wouldn't be too afraid of Nima killing us. Orlin, let me just pose a question. Weird stuff started happening when we got here, right? Some would say mystics, uh, otherworldly. Yeah? Yeah. Who do you fucking know that can do that? And I'm just gonna look up. And then I'm gonna look back, and I'm gonna go, I'm not afraid of her. But I'm afraid of what she's gonna do. Malicious people have malicious intent. Doesn't matter how nice they are. Or how pretty they look. You can't hide what's in there. Oh, I love this. And as I think as Rush's words kind of echo a little bit down into this uh, the cave and also into Orland's heart, perhaps. Um, that's when um, Nima, I think that's when you return and kind of set up this ritual as these two are kind of contemplating their conversation, their secret conversation. So do you want to make that risk roll real fast? Sure. Remind oh, oh. me. Didn't we need to come up with how it was being interfered with? Yeah, you're, you're going to get a chance on that in just a second. So, yeah, okay. yeah. but yes, absolutely. So, so make, make the roll first? No. So oh. the way risk rules work is you uh, first, Austin, um, say like what you hope will happen, like in the best ideal circumstance. Like what are you trying to do? So what I'm trying to do is see where this treasure is and ideally how to get there. Absolutely. And then we each get a turn to say what could go wrong, like if you fail. So and I, I said we can uh, kind of flavor it in how Rush can mess this up subtly or not subtly. Um, let's start with Rush. So I'm thinking because it's a circle, simply break the circle. I see how hard she's doing. Maybe I'll make it look like I'm trying to help and dig it a little bit deeper. But really, I'm just disconnecting it. Oh, and, so there's like a lo- a, a circle in the sand or something? Yeah, because you were making a circle in the sand, yeah? Mm. So if I could just nonchalant, arms crossed, like I'm studying what she's doing, because I fucking am. And every once in a while, she closes her eyes, tch, I break the circle. Ooh, interesting. How about you, Jacob? Or Orlin, I should say. I was thinking um, something like smoke from the torches like kind of trying to funnel it into the cave from the outside um since it's a site-based thing it felt like somewhat uh non-obvious so even if like it doesn't work there wouldn't be a clear like oh rush you know was the only person in here or whatever uh and it would deal with kind of the metaphysics of the ritual itself Mm hmm I think it it uh maybe rush um adds something to the circle that makes you see something that you don't want to see maybe a uh, one of these supplies or something and it um misdirects your vision to something related to that object instead of the one you're looking for the signet ring so those are ways they they can go poorly so what you want to do is you're Collecting your dice bowl here, I guess. Let's go back to the dice screen. So, first, Austin, get that dark die out of here for right now. 
but take one light die if any of your backgrounds or occupation skills would help you, which seems like it, right? Do I do it one for if a background and one for if a skill? No, just one if one or more skills can help. So maximum one. Okay. So I'm doing a thing and as a sorceress, I am doing sorcery. Yeah, so you've got one. A ritual, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so you get one light die so far and then one dark die because you're performing a ritual so it's risky no matter what mm-hmm. but and then if you want that if you want to keep that second one we also get a devil's bargain so this is if you succeed or fail this is going to happen i'm going to start with mine because i got i got one off off the cuff uh rush is going to notice that that's his ring that you're using does anyone else have a another suggestion for a devil's bargain so this is succeed or fail this cost will come into effect still um, let's start with Rush. Do you have uh, any suggestion? No, that was perfect. Cool. I'm ready to get in, Coach. <laughs> about Orlin? Uh, maybe this is a bit more uh, gross out than we want to get just yet, but I'm thinking like you can give up an eye to complete a site-based ritual in this like kind of gnarly way where you have to like gouge it out yourself. Ooh, that's amazing. So this spell probably because it was messed up is going to take uh your sight from one of your eyes or your eye itself i love that so austin are you interested in taking either one of those two devil's bargains i am uh i don't know which one is more interesting i think the one with rush my instinct probably tells me that that one is more interesting and it plays into that inter-character conflict more yeah yeah let's do that one yeah okay cool so then you get to keep that um second light die and give us a roll. All right. So what does that mean? I got a six and a six. So, um, three. Well, since your dark die is the highest, you can't reroll, but why Mm -hmm. would you? Cause six, six is a full success and you're going to describe how you succeed, but also, um, six is higher than your current ruin. I assume since you yes so you're also going to increase your ruin so why don't you describe how it goes well despite rush's best efforts this uh goes off without a hitch and i can tell you what you see in a second should i give it to you yeah maybe i'll I'll just let you see it if you want but uh i'm also going to give you a condition too okay so yeah she sees that um there's a way in she looks through this thing and the room gets like the room gets eerily, eerily silent, and she uh, like traces her foot again around the the like in that circle, and um, and then like closer to herself, she makes a smaller circle, and uh, she's chanting this whole time. And I think the whole that you start to hear only her voice echoing in this cave, and like a lot of the little like blips and blops and ocean noises in the background kind of like stop for a moment um, as she's kind of doing this ritual and you can just see that she's kind of like looking through this looking through this spyglass and um, she sees through the thing oh there's a passage just ahead that would be hidden at some times 
but would catch a lot of like water flowing into it and then would like drain out. And just um, in that passage, not much farther um, along, it opens up into this kind of like vast area and there's just all this stuff spilled out. And you see kind of her eyes go wide as she's looking through this thing, as she sees this like vast horde. Yeah, I love that. Maybe it's like hyper focused on this ring and you can just see it amongst, you know, a pile of treasure. And so and I think like, absolutely it's going to be underwater, right? Sure. But I think I mean, I think she can see it uh, and there's at least enough light where she can see it, where she's like, oh, it's not in this like cra- the crazy depths. It's uh, yeah, somewhere it's in, in a shallow enough body that like if we can, ju- we just have to get over this small, nearly stalagmites. And then into this other little passage, little cove, not cove, yeah, like a lagoon, nook sort of. Yeah, I know inside what you mean. this cavern. And then once we get into there, that's where this stuff has been like amassing. Yeah, I love it. And yeah, perfect. And so and I, I'm imagining that in that process, like as she looks around, that's when Rush can see that like she's got his ring like on the front of this spyglass. Yeah, Rush definitely sees. Dima, just take that ring off when it when she's done. Put it on her finger, not her not her marriage ring finger, but sure. just one of her random fingers. You can tell without a doubt that it's yours. And then uh, I think she leads the two of you further into this little uh, cave. And I think we go to to the next ring as you kind of seethe, knowing that that's your ring. <laughs> and maybe as you know, the echoes of your footsteps go further down. The camera kind of stays there. And we see one of these, or first we see kind of the tide rush in and kind of, uh, I don't know, drench the steps behind you, like almost as if it's following you down. And we we stay in this little, uh, I don't know, like estuary, is that the thing? Like a tiny little pool, you know? Yeah, I guess not, but- uh, tide, Like a tide pool kind of a thing almost, right? Yeah, like a little tide pool that's, uh, you can see it's, full of um, like just kind of waving seaweed or something in there just like it's uh, going back and forth with the waves as especially as they're coming in and the camera kind of lingers on that for a moment and the seaweed kind of goes in such a way that you can see where it's all rooting from and it's just a human skull of the Trophy Dark Incursion, The Gift of the Sea. Trophy Dark and Trophy Gold were designed by Jesse Ross and published by The Gauntlet and Hedgemaze Press. Gabriel Robinson wrote The Gift of the Sea. Your cast was Jacob, Justin, Austin, and David as the GM. Please see the show notes for links to all the incredible musicians you heard in this episode. Keep up to date on what's going on with This American Dice on our Facebook. If you liked what you heard, review it, leave a comment, or share it with a friend. Join us next week for the Trophy Dark finale and learn the ultimate ends of our ill-fated treasure hunters.
hopefully that didn't my stomach was making noise i did pulled an austin um let's see i think next you uh, just have to next you just have to fart loudly uh-huh <laughs> where that you know the the toothsome v was you know and you mm-hmm. real that you came in through i know like, just the term toothsome okay. v yeah that's the name of my band 